0: at Founders FAQ, answers to all the possible questions of a founder.
1: I think that the best founders paint a vision for the business in a way that gets you excited, right? Beyond building a product that gives you a WTF moment and just like a pure moment of joy and delight, right? It's it's painting a vision of for how big and world-changing the business can be and really communicating that to an audience, not only the early customers who are building a movement for the business, but also the people who want to join the company and convince them that you should, the A-plus players, join this business and not all the others.
0: Welcome to Founders of AQ. Today, my guest is Sean. Sean is an early-stage investor at FalatoGate. Previously, he was managing partner at Room Fund and led 27 investments made across various verticals. He was also in the international expansion of Square. Hi, Sean. Welcome to Founders of AQ. Hi. Thanks for having me here, man. I have a lot of questions for you. Uh, At first place, I'd like to hear your story. Uh, How did you start the investment journey?
1: Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I I grew up in the Bay Area, in Silicon Valley. So I kind of was immersed in venture capital and startups most of my life. My idea of a good time on weekends in high school was to work with other friends of mine to come together with, with build business plans and come up with startup decks and get mentored by venture capitalists. And so... I don't know. That, that was just my life. It's been my life for a long time. Before I was an investor, though, I was uh, an operator working in startups. So I was really obsessed with helping tech companies go international. So I was leading international go to market for a couple companies, most recently at Square, helped launch the business in Europe, launch the product in the UK and a couple other places there. Did the same job for a company called Vungle. Uh, mobile video ad tech company that helped lead the business expansion in Asia, in seven different countries in East and Southeast Asia. And a uh, uh, company got acquired for about $780 million at some point. And, and then before that, I was on the founding team of a YC company. So, you know, it was an awesome opportunity to just be immersed in building companies, in in leading go-to-market and figuring out what it actually takes to go zero to one and then scale businesses after the fact. And, and, and so I was really obsessed with helping build stuff. And in my heart of hearts, I'm still an operator for sure. But then, you know, a, a bunch of things happened in 2016. You know, this reveals a little bit of my politics, but you know, President Trump got elected. I never expected that to happen. Brexit happened, which threw a wrench in my stuff for Square in Europe and never expected that to happen. I had spent some time in North Korea. All of a sudden, you know, they they started like saying they were going to build nuclear missiles to bomb everyone in the United States and I felt like I really wanted to take a reset, take two years, go to grad school and, and understand what was happening in the world, both from a business perspective, economics perspective, politics perspective. And so I went to grad school at Wharton in the Lauder Institute program, dual degree program, international affairs and MBA. And, and that's where I got re-immersed into venture. The, when I was on the founding team of, the, of that YC company, well, actually one of the first nonprofits YC funded called Bayes, called Bayes Impact, one of our board members was this guy, Anjane Midha, who is a part, was a partner at Kleiner Perkins, founded their Seed Stage Practice, amazing dude, offered amazing advice, still is a great friend. And he offered, I later found out that he was 22 years old. I was like, how are you a partner at Kleiner Perkins and you're 22 years old? And he told me about this awesome institution called Dorm Room Fund, which is a student-run venture fund backed by First Round Capital. And, and I was like, if you, he was like, I was a managing part, partner of Dorm Room Fund at Stanford. And I was like, if I ever go back to school, you have to introduce me to these people. They sound like my people. And that's exactly what happened. I went to Wharton. The first thing that happened when I got to school was I reached out to Anjne. He introduced me to Josh Koppelman, who introduced me to the dorm room fun folks in general. And story goes on from there. You know, I, I became a partner, eventually a managing partner. I built a track record, invested in about 25 companies while I was a student. And just really lo- started loving early stage venture. Worked with a lot of different really great people, but ended up landing at Floodgate, working with Mike Maples in Americo and Americo, and and really being a focused seed investor. And sorry, I've, I've I'm speaking too much, but that's that's essentially my story in a, in a short couple minutes.
0: Yeah, that's great. And my next question is: uh, While you were investing, when you first met the founders, how do you relate to founder at first? I, I think there
1: are. At Floodgate, I think that I've been trained in a certain way, and I think it's um, very specific. So I, I think about whether or not they're navigating the idea maze well. And what I mean by that is, how did they come up with the pain point that they're trying to solve for? How did they think about the market that they're trying to solve for? And it, it really matters to me how quickly they can ingest information and learn from uh, learn from mistakes and learn from New information. I'm specifically looking at how founders think about inflections. So we, we think that the ma- massive businesses that we've backed in the past 15 years have been companies that ride an inflection, some sort of big change event. It could be a technology change event, a regulatory change event, a, um, a consumer behavior change event. And we want to understand that inflection better. Why it is ha- why you know uh, a new business model is possible or a company's uniquely uh, position to win in this moment in time. The answering the "why now" question, so founders who are able to really talk through the inflection, the "why now," propose really interesting um, diligence on why they're right. Understanding how they navigated to building the product they ended up building to solve for the pain point that is riding that inflection, I think is all things I I, 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 I evaluate. And then how they thought about getting to distribution hacks, I think is quite interesting. Um, founders who, who are the best founders I've worked with are ones who come up with really random stuff to try to get to the first thousand users or hack their way to the right contact to manage the complex sale in a way that the average founder would not. Right. So yeah, I think that that's all all of that is quite interesting to me. That's just surface stuff though.
0: (laughs) I get it. And while they are pitching their startup, other than traction or other kind of metrics, what do you look for for the founder, like showing his or her selling skills? Because she needs to sell it to investors, she needs to sell it to new A plus team members, she needs to sell it to the customers. So what do you look for for a founder other than just traction or other kind of stuff?
1: yeah, I mean, charisma goes a long way, right? I think that the best founders paint a vision for the business in a way that gets you excited, right? Beyond building a product that gives you a WTF moment and it's like a pure moment of joy and delight, right? it's it's painting a vision of for how big and world changing the business can be and really communicating that to an audience, not only the early customers who are building a movement for the business, but also, the people who want to join the company and convince them that you should, the, the A plus players to join this business and not, not all the others, right? So charisma and movement, ability to build a movement, I think, and ability to paint a big vision of, of a massive business are, are things I care about. I also think that the, the the culture that a founder sets for the company right from the start, tying the the mission and vision of the company to a to a set of values is important. So I I, I still think back to this day, about my time at Square, working with Jack Dorsey, you know, in, when you walk into the lobby of Square, in the, on the wall, there is a giant, in giant letters, it says economic empowerment. And, you know, if you ever talk to Jack or you hear him speak, he talks a lot about why did he co-found Square? It's because he cares so much about this problem, economic empowerment. It's one of his three main problems that he wants to dedicate his life to solve. And you can tell he cares about it. And every person he hired through Square, especially in the early team, really cared about it. When you interview at Square, at least when I interviewed at Square, there was a whole section of the interview dedicated just asking questions about why do you care about this problem? Why do you care about solving problems for merchants and sellers? That is ingrained in the business. And to this day, when I talk to really amazing executives at Teams, those A-plus players you're talking about. So, so one initiative I run at here at Floodgate is called the Anchor List. It's essentially a, a Midas list, Forbes 30-30 type list for the best startup executives we that we could find, Right. And, um, you know, whether it's the head of design at DoorDash or the head of product at Nextdoor, all every single one of them talks about this culture thing. Right. And the culture starts from the very beginning from the founders. And so understanding why a business is their life's work and, and very credibly why they would want to dedicate their entire life to it is 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 also very important to me.
0: Hmm. mm -hmm, I get it. And while they're raising their rounds, they need to reach the right partner because uh, if it's a price round, he or she will join the board as well. So how, how do you select the right partner, especially for the price rounds as a lead investor? Like should they start it like before five six months ago? Like what's your recommendation for founders? Yeah,
1: I think if you're going to talk to partners, it helps that you know that the part that you're on thesis for the partner, right? I think there's different investors who, you know, there's different, there's many different ways to invest, but I think the founder, the partners that I've found to be most helpful are the ones who've been thinking about a particular sector or a particular problem for a while. They're bringing together study groups, like my partner Anne puts together study groups of interesting people in a particular space that she cares about, and just consistently meets with them to talk through what are the pain points? What are the uh, best ways to solve uh, that pain point? And so it better to be working with someone who's been thinking about the problem for a while and been around those people and been around people you could potentially hire than uh, a partner who's just reactive and just heard about a great deal and kind of just wants to get in for getting in safe, right? Even even if it's a good deal. Um, so, so being around partners who've been thinking about the problem, you can back channel around with other people in your space to figure out who really is thoughtful about it. Speaking to the associates and principals and partners who are writing about your space, I think is important. Um, but at the end of the day, you can't know uh, the dynamics of a partnership until you talk to someone on the inside. So this is why I also think it's really important to talk to you know, principals and associates, senior associates like myself. Like it's, it's we're a resource. So I can tell you which partner is probably more likely to do, uh, uh, who's more likely to be interested in your business model versus another partner, right? Maybe a partner who was really interested in your space, but doesn't like marketplaces or is really interested in marketplaces, but it, it is, is very generalist about it, but wants to see certain metrics before they engage with you, right? That inside knowledge, you can't really figure out until you speak to founders who have pitched to those partners. Or unless you speak to, to to the junior team, right? I would encourage you to just do a lot of the homework to figure out are the people around the, the, the in the influential circle around that partnership. Who is really actually the decision maker? What do they really care about? What are their 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 benchmarks in their mind that they like to see? And who's been actually thinking about a problem for a while? I think that's that's
0: my high level take. I get it. And after this stage, you have great board members and it's kind of a top notch team of a founder. And how do they leverage these board members uh, while scaling through companies? Yeah, I, I think
1: that you should. Is a great board member is one who is making you think. It depends on the stage of the company, right? But I, I sit in seed and pre-seed in Series A in some cases. And in all of those companies, the best board members help you think through the zero to one. The worst thing you can do for your business is to grow when you're not ready to grow. Or to put gas on growth when you're not ready to grow, right? So you know, uh, a a board member that advises you to not hire a head of growth when you haven't even gotten product market fit yet, right? That's a great board member. A board member who helps you think through who is the right customer you should be building for, what are the right feature sets to be building for, what milestones you need to be hitting in the next six months or 12 months before you start socializing with other investors, people who board members who can introduce you to investors that's that last point is a bare minimum I think every investor can do that right but the best board members are helping you think through your biggest challenges your zero to one your go to market your product development and being honest with you about not uh, not making premature decisions like the wrong hires or or investing in a part of the business before you're ready for it right? Also, to be honest, I think they'll help you think through fundraising in a way that doesn't optimize for the best valuation at the earliest time. I think sometimes that isn't also always the best thing to do, because you have to grow into your valuations, right? If you, yeah, I've seen a lot of companies who raise crazy rounds, these, these, especially now, right? And then when they're ready to raise their next round of financing, their metrics just don't measure up to what is expected for, because they just raised too much before, they burn too fast. So anyways, I think the great board members, at least the ones I've seen in action, are are in that realm.
0: I get it. I get it. And my last question is for after the pandemic season, how do you see like SF will be hot again? And what do you recommend for founders while starting their companies? And the investment thesis of VCs are changing in the next couple of years. I don't know what to say about this.
1: Yeah, to be honest with you, I thought that the pandemic would depress valuations make founders hunker down, raise a, a much, much longer runway. But we haven't seen that, to be honest. I think that in certain industries, if you go to digital health, for instance, or uh, even since some consumer social companies, they are getting a premium in this time because everyone's at home and they can't go out, and so they're just on their phone or they can't go to the hospital, so they're using telehealth platforms. So. In fact, there is a tremendous opportunity still to be a founder and building companies in certain spaces today. I expect certain spaces that have been depressed to rebound after the pandemic for sure. Travel, food delivery, um, restaurant servicing—like that's all of those businesses will will will. There is a space for them after the pandemic for sure, right? So, so I think that it's an exciting time to be an investor. Exciting time to be a founder. Um, you know, COVID accelerated the timeline for technology adoption in many, many ways, right? We think about all the kids who are growing up native on Zoom. We think about all of, the, um, all of the e-commerce activity that's happened, right? Jumping up by orders of magnitude that we haven't seen before. It is an interesting time to be building companies now. And so I wouldn't say, like, wait until the pandemic is over and build a company. I think the answer is build a company now, especially because talent is distributed in remote, especially you know, especially because the capital's there. So yeah, I, I don't know that it's necessarily like, wait until the pandemic to build something. It won't be like, if there will be different inflections when the pandemic's over, but it's, it's, the
0: changes are happening now. Perfect. Yeah, Sean, these are all my questions. Think for coming to Founders AQ. Thank you, man, it was awesome to be here. By the way, Founders FAQ is in pre-order, and it covers the answers to all the possible questions of a founder in a startup journey, whether revealing life-saving principles for the startup survival path, building A-plus themes, creating an evolving machine, setting up a need culture, or interpreting the true path for the fundraising. You can pre-order it from FoundersFAQ.com, and you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook.